0: KRXO FM and KRXO HD, Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore, Tulsa. A product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the franchise Oklahoma City Thunder first take postgame show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise, Tulsa.
1: Well, the Grizzly, nevermore. Not this time. The Thunder get down by double digits once again to the Memphis Grizzlies, but this time they don't come back. Just a um, disappointing, disappointing performance. 110-97, to 97, the Thunder fall to Memphis tonight. This is Brady Trantham alongside Mr. Aaron Davis, the one and only Aaron Davis, with Matt Burton back in studio. We are live for the Thunder First Take post game show at Flint Restaurant, downtown Oklahoma City, beneath the Cold Court Hotel. Come check us out. It's a good place to come uh, cure your Thunder sorrows. In some good drinks and some good food. Come out and say hi to us, and we'll have a good time. But, uh, Mr. Davis, this was th- – the signs were there early on. A poor offensive quarter to start the game for the Thunder, 18 points in the first. And then it was really lost in the third quarter of all quarters. Of course, it's going to be the third quarter – Poor defensive quarter. The, the Grizzlies outscored the Thunder 37-27. They could never really get over the hump. They were down perpetually nine points that entire quarter. Could never get over the hump. And ultimately, they just didn't have it in the tank tonight. Maybe just a little bit of a Christmas hangover for the Thunder.
2: Yeah, like you mentioned, slow start in the first quarter. They had gotten it down to a two-point game going into halftime. And then just coming out of the third quarter, it just it fell apart. Transition defense was an issue all night tonight. Uh, I don't have the exact number pulled up right now but I know at one point it was like 24 to 3 was the difference between the Grizzlies and the Thunder in points off of uh in transition.
1: Yeah, it finished up 23 to 6 in favor of Memphis. It was an absolute dominate dominant performance on Memphis. Uh some of it was just kind of unfortunate ball uh, the unfortunate bounces of the basketball, especially in the first half. There were just a lot of plays where A ball would get tipped off of a rebound, and it would fall right into John Morant's hands. It would fall right into Brandon Clark's hands, and the Thunder just couldn't do anything about it. They were out of position, but they were never able to rebound. They were never able to course-correct, and this is something that this team has been able to do all season. They've been able to course-correct in games that they've played awful in, and this wasn't necessarily an awful performance, but it's just when you look at these numbers, 23 fast break points for Memphis to 6 for Oklahoma City, uh, the Grizzlies turned the ball over 16 times. The Thunder only turned it over nine times, and the Thunder could barely do anything about it. Is I don't know. Like you, you, look at, and then you go into like the individual scoring, just not very efficient. I think at one point in the first half, the Thunder were two of eleven from the three-point line, and they kept chucking it up. They finished ten of thirty-five. Um, I don't want to say lazy offense, but when you look at these numbers, that's kind of the message that you come away with.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, they took some threes at the end of the game there. Yeah, uh, they're probably you know they were just kind of chugging them up, trying to get back in the game in the last few minutes. So they hovered around like twenty
1: three, twenty yeah. four percent for the game until, like you said, they started catching fire late.
2: Yeah, it just the inability to get to the free throw line, and it may have just been a situation where the wrestlers weren't really calling anything because uh, the Thunder had thirteen free throw attempts and the Grizzlies had eleven, which has to be. <laughs> the NBA record for, like, the past five years of free throws attempted, but I guess that's what happens when you don't have, uh, James you don't Harden, have a superstar in the game. They're not going to get the James Harden throws. gets that in one quarter. Come on, uh, yeah, now. Exactly. That's a, that's a quarter for James Harden. It was just a bizarre game. It was, uh, I, I don't know, slow and boring. It was a very
1: boring game, and that's usually the case with Memphis. Now, they've got a lot of, just like the Thunder, they've got a lot of exciting young talent. I mean, John Morant, we already mentioned. Uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr., second-year player. Uh, Brandon Clark, the player who was technically traded for the rights to draft Darius Baisley. So, I mean, you can look out for that fun rivalry, I guess, as years go on. Brandon Clark is, I mean, in two games, he has torched the Thunder. He had 13 points tonight, five of six shooting. I really like him. But, um, of course, we, we should have said, I should have said this to start the game, uh, the the show off. No Danilo Gallinari tonight. And Billy Donovan said pregame to us He's not going to be a part of this quick little road trip for the Thunder. they got Charlotte tomorrow night, Toronto on the road. Sunday, no Danilo Gallinari, so you can expect more Darius Baisley. But um, you just hope on this road trip that the Thunder play with a little bit more tenacity, a little bit more urgency that we're accustomed to seeing them play
0: with.
2: You think that Gallinari being held out for the next few games, you think that's Gallinari actually – not able to suit up and play over the next three games, or you think that's the thought of protecting their assets? It's
1: really interesting because he misses the game, what, two weeks ago on that back-to-back. Um, they played Portland the first night, and then they played Utah the second night. Danilo Gallinari was out for that game with the ankle soreness. And then he comes back the next game, I believe, uh, at Sacramento, two days later on the road. And then sun, last Sunday evening before the Clippers game, um, he was – penciled the start like the, the sheets of paper that they hand us during the games like here are the starters said Danilo Gallinari and then as I'm finding my seat press row Darius Baisley gets announced so he just tweaks his ankle and apparently it was bad enough for him to miss the Clippers game and then this entire next week this entire weekend so I, I don't know it, it must be something rather important I was Frankly, shocked that Billy Don was just so frank
2: about, yeah, he's not playing tonight or the or the next two games. It's like, okay. Yeah, and they, I mean, he said it wasn't like a structural thing or anything like that, so. They're not going to tell us. No. Well, yeah, obviously, they, they wouldn't tell us, but. Well, to, we, to me, I mean, they've kind of just been protecting the Gallinari asset all season. And they should. I right. Mean, I mean, he hasn't played more than 33 minutes in a game. Well, he played 36 against the, the 76ers earlier in the year, but I mean, he's averaging 30 minutes a game. He's not playing a ton of minutes, but when he's in there, he looks good. His stock's just going up, and yeah, I mean, whether this is a situation where maybe he could play on Sunday against the Raptors, and he just needs to sit out tonight in the Charlotte game, or or any any way you plan it out, man. Yeah, maybe Presti and Billy Donovan just look at it like, hey, there's just no reason to play him. Let's let's sit him, let's rest him up, and you know, he's like, yeah, this this hovering around 500 business is fun, but let's not hurt anybody
1: along the way. Let's let's have fun, but n- no nobody get hurt for the long term because so many factors are so important for this team, but. Um, I guess, like, with this game, it, it's really hard, because even with Danilo Gallinari, because with Danilo Gallinari a few weeks ago, or was it last week, the Thunder get down by 24 in Oklahoma City to the same Memphis Grizzlies team, and then they're able to come back, and it was really spurned on the end of that third quarter where the I think the Thunder were down 18 points with about a minute and a half left, and they outscored the Grizzlies the rest of the third quarter and fourth quarter by 20, And it kind of felt like, I guess, that was going to happen again today. Um, Like you said, they went into the locker room, the Thunder did, with a two-point deficit. At one point, they had tied it at 36, and then I I stopped. I I lost count. But from that point on, midway in the second quarter, up until about the end of the third quarter, the Grizzlies outscored the Thunder by, like, 35 points. Like, the game was over in the third quarter, and the Thunder had no answer. So um, kind of like I said at the beginning of the show, just – Kind of felt like a Christmas hangover because of the fast break points, the rebounding, just all these hustle plays, all the hustle numbers,
2: greatly in favor of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, and look, rebounding's been an issue. That's a hustle stat uh, to a lot of an ex- to a lot of extent. They're 29th in the NBA this year, and they got out rebounded tonight by 16. I mean, they had 34 rebounds tonight. Again, I know the Grizzlies have uh, Triple J. They've got Tunis but I don't. The lane was open. The yep. lane, like off, like defensively,
1: the Thunder, and you know maybe. The, some of that can be pinned on Darius Baisley just not being so sound with his defensive assignments because Danilo Gallinari is not really, he's not a defensive stopper by any means, but he at least knows where to be and put his body on the floor. Darius, there were two or three plays where one of them was Brandon Clark. The other two were John Morant. Darius Baisley was nowhere to be found. Like he was not in the right spot. And in so doing the lane was wide open for a layup and just too many easy buckets. And Memphis, on top of that, was just the more physical team. They, just, I, I hate to say that cliche that they looked like they wanted it more, but they looked like they wanted it They looked like a team that was that blew a 24-point lead in the same building against the same team just a week ago.
2: Yeah, and I, for me at least, uh, there was a specific matchup that I was watching tonight, and I, I kind of agree with you that there was a little bit more of a, an aggressiveness and a little bit more of we want this win tonight. And it was Steven Adams of Alan Chunas. Adams was f- pretty decent offensively tonight, but defensively, I feel like he was on his heels a lot of the game tonight. Valanchunas, I mean, he'd give Valanchunas three or four feet of separation. And I know Valanchunas isn't, you know, he's not Al Horford shooting the ball or anything like that, but it just seemed like it, Adams was just backing up the whole time all night defensively in that matchup. Yeah, and it's
1: interesting because Valanchunas, like, you, if you think about him, he's not, he doesn't jump out at you as like a Brooke Lopez type, but he does space the floor. Like, he's a 36% Career three point shooter. He only takes about two or three attempts a game, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But, um, like you said, it's a good point. He didn't take any three pointers, but Steven still basically gave him so I mean, much space. There were,
2: there were possessions where Valanchunas caught the ball at the elbow, and Adams is
1: basically under the net. And I wonder how much of that is just because Darius Baisley's out there, and Steven has to account for that. Possibly. He has to account for guys being out of position. And, I mean, we've seen that over the last few years when, you know, some players who may or rename remain nameless. Um weren't necessarily locked in defensively all the time and then Steven Adams, it kind of bit him in the rear end a handful of times, at least when you're watching the game, it looks like it's Steven, but it's it's not really him. It's not really his fault. But I don't know, just an interesting interesting little observation. But uh going through some numbers before we get to the player of the game, Mr. Burton, just uh give you a heads up. Uh Steven Adams, like you said, okay game. Sixteen points, six rebounds, seven to ten from the floor. Did hit a Euro step and it was really pretty. It was a very fluid euro step. Um, Shake Olds Alexander, and this is probably the first sign of how this game was going to go. He finishes 8 of 19. He never looks comfortable. He never, um, he, he's not super efficient, but he's also not super inefficient. And today was one of his more inefficient games, especially over the last seven or eight games. Had a great start to the season. The following 10 games kind of dipped. In the last seven or eight games, he's really kind of returned to form like he was at the beginning of the year. This was kind of a return back to the second ten games of the year where he was inefficient, not scoring a lot. And when he's not scoring a lot, you know, you talk to Chris Paul, we talked to Chris Paul in the locker room, they want him to go downhill. They, they feel like that they're a better team when he is their primary scoring option. And when he's not, a lot of guys have to pick up slack that may not want to do that. And then on top of it, and this might be the, the main thing, Aaron, uh, Dennis Schroeder had his worst game. In about a month and a half, and he still finished with 20 points, but he took 21 field goal attempts to get there.
2: Yeah, he um, he was getting to the basket fairly well, probably not the best he's gotten to the to the rim this season uh, in a given game. But I mean, he was still beating his defenders pretty consistently, and uh, you know, just I, it it was a bad game. I think a lot of it had to do. I think Memphis played pretty good defensive.
1: Oh yeah, they had defensively in the paint. They had they had eight blocks tonight, yeah. and it seemed like every single block was demoralizing.
0: Yeah, and like I mean, two so, or three yeah. of
1: them were on Dennis Schroeder, so they used their length. And Memphis does have some sneaky good length. Uh, they the Thunder just it, it looked like they just couldn't adjust to anything Memphis was doing initially, and Memphis just kept riding that horse. And like, all right, if they're not going to do anything about it, then m- might as well keep doing
2: it. Yeah, I mean Valanciunas was good tonight. John Morant, I thought he started a little bit slow. Um, You look at the stat line, it's not super sexy, but he had a good game. Uh, Brandon Clark, again, has another good game. Yeah, it was just kind of a situation tonight where the Thunder, like you said, not really making those adjustments, and the Grizzlies just came in with a game plan, and it it worked from minute one to minute 48. And, yeah, they they wanted it more. They were the more physical team in a game like this. uh, That's probably going to be the difference when you don't really have that guy on either team that's going to separate you you know, in the last three minutes where a superstar is yep. going to step up, it's probably going to be the team that's more physical. Yeah.
1: And the thunder have been saved by good team basketball. And yes, some occasional individual heroics by Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Shea Gills, Alexander the last few weeks, but we know what this team is talent wise. It's not going to be consistent every single night where somebody can save them. They're just, they're talented. They're not that talented. And they're also not that bad. So they're, they're going to be in a lot of these games, but because we're contractually obligated, Mr. Davis, I guess we do have to pick a thunder player. of The game. <laughs>
0: Now, the Franchise Thunder Player of the Game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. Whew.
1: Man. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one player of the game. Um, <laughs> I'll just let you go first, because I'm fairly certain you're not going to pick this guy.
2: Uh, is it is it D'Anthony Melton of the Grizzlies? Is he your Thunder Player of the Game? Actually,
1: it probably should.
2: Plus 25 for the uh, for the Anthony Melton, which, uh, I'll be honest with you, wasn't super familiar with him coming into the season. Noah uh, our, our,
1: our mutual friend Jerry Ramsey actually asked me in the elevator before I came over to Flint uh, from the arena, what do you know about Anthony Melton? And I'm like, uh, did he go to Utah State? And Jerry's like, no, he went to USC. He's like, ah, the U, the Pac-12, you know.
2: They've got a U for a logo, yeah, same thing. Uh, that's all I know. Uh, my player of the game, though, it's going to be Chris Paul. I, I thought he had a pretty good game tonight. Twenty-one, or excuse me, twenty-three points, eleven assists, three steals, six rebounds. Uh, I mean, that's he it.
1: was the only guy who looked locked in, and that's yeah. the correct answer for your Thunder player of the game because the Thunder were going to come back, and they did get it down to nine after being. I think at one point they were down 20, 22 in the fourth quarter. They were able to get it down to nine. A lot of that was because of Chris Paul pushing the pace, hitting some clutch threes towards the end, and they did have a chance to get it really interesting down seven, possibly five. They just couldn't get those those stops, but Chris Paul is the correct answer.
2: Tonight's only his second point-assist double-double this season, by the way. I
1: know. It's so interesting because Chris Paul, you know, the point god, and, you know, some of that could be chopped up to there's three primary ball handlers on this team. There's only so many opportunities for one guy to gobble up so many assists, and they play such good team basketball, you know, relatively speaking, according to expectations. So it's still interesting to see Chris Paul with not a lot of double digit assist numbers in the season. This team,
2: just really in general, doesn't get a lot of assists. No. I mean,
1: they're 25th in the NBA in assists per game, so. Especially when you're finding Terrence Ferguson and Abdul Nader in the corner. Right. Yeah, that doesn't Uh, (laughs) help. (laughs) That definitely doesn't help. Well, my player of the game, a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for this guy, Mr. Kevin Hervey. He got his first NBA action tonight. Uh, minute, uh, he only played a minute 18, 0 for 1 from the floor. But just a career. Uh, last year he was a rookie with the Blue. This season he got called up. Um, I've seen him the last two seasons at summer league. Last year he was a complete project because he came from SMU a complete and utter injury risk. I, th- I don't think he has any ACLs anymore, Aaron. But um, this past summer league in July really looked, you know, rather in- rather impressive. He looked like a, a prototypical floor spacing big. Now, can he do it at an NBA level? I don't think so. But the guy is really awesome, and he's really kind to talk to. And so I'm just happy to see. I'm happy to see guys like that get some action in the NBA. So Kevin Hurry, shout out to you. You're my Thunder player of the game. Nice.
2: He was on the floor for 78 seconds and managed
1: to get a shot off. Hey, he didn't hesitate. No, like he he was not shy. Deontay Burton played just under 10 minutes. Shout out, Mr. Matt Burton. Uh, two, 0 for two from the floor. But hey. When you spend two weeks in the G League exile gulag, you know it's going to take you a few minutes to get a uh,
2: get reacclimated yeah. to the NBA. Yeah, definitely. I think, and one more thing, for me. Um, so we talked about you know Danilo Gallinari being hurt tonight and missing. He's going to miss the next few games. I don't know that it's necessarily it's bad because you're forcing Darius Bazley to start and play a few more minutes. He only finished with he's 19 fine. Points. Yeah, but having to play Mike Muscala. I think Headband Muscala. Headband Muscala. He uh, has a lot more hair than he had in game one, by the way. His hair. Uh, he looks like
1: if he had an afro, he would be Jackie Moon. Yes. With that headband. Just somebody give that dude an afro. It, it, it screams it. He, uh. <laughs> he's. 0 for 2. Yeah, 0 for 2. And One of
2: which, he it was a, a 3 off the dribble where he dribbled probably 4 or 5 times and stepped up the line and, and attempted a 3. He missed it, by the way, obviously.
1: I make fun of the plus minus, but sometimes it does tell you the right the right story. He is a minus thirteen tonight. Yeah,
2: I just haven't watched I haven't watched him play a game this year where he's been a positive asset to them. He saved them once. He
1: saved them in the D'Angelo Russell Golden State game where the Warriors came back and tied it when they were down seventeen and Muscala hit two big threes in the fourth quarter to spurn on the they didn't necessarily have to come back. They got the Golden State tied it, but the Thunder finished off that game. And it was spurred on by Mike Muscala, so shout-out to you, Mike Muscala. Okay, hit a game. There you go. There you go. 107.7, the franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. You are listening to the Thunder First Take Post Game Show. Matt Burton back in studio. Aaron Davis sitting across from me, and I am Brady Trantham. We are live at the Flint Restaurant beneath the Cold Court Hotel in downtown Oklahoma City. And everybody is filing in now, and all their Thunder sorrows turn into happy, happy smiles because they're at Flint the greatest place on Earth. Everybody, thank you for listening. We'll get you right back with some more Thunder coverage right here on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in T-Town. Franchise Thunder in... Not the franchise Thunder Insider Show. That's on Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon. This is the first take post game show because the Thunder just played a basketball game and a basketball game that I'm sure Thunder fans want to forget fairly quickly. They dropped this home game to the vaunted Memphis Grizzlies squad, 110 to 97, in a game that, after the Thunder initially led by about five seven points early on, after some cool little made shots by Darius Bay and the SGA, the Grizzlies just took control and said no not this time if you all remember last week the Thunder had a 24 point lead no they had a 24 point deficit how many times am I going to screw up Mr. Davis they had a 24 point deficit before coming back and taking that one in Oklahoma City but not this time said the Memphis Grizzlies Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Aaron Davis Matt Burton back in studio Mr. Burton how much of the game did you get to watch this time and I hope you remember your boy did play tonight and he played really early
0: he did play. I did I did get to see that. No, I did I did watch the whole game and uh yeah, I wish I wish he would have got more minutes, but it's good to see him back. It's good to he see got, him back with the team.
1: He got an offensive rebound and I'm sure it was crucial.
0: Just filling up the stat sheet. Yes. Yes, <laughs> just filling it up.
1: I mean, Aaron, I mean, really quick before we get around the association, there were other games played tonight. I'm sure basketball fans are like, Okay, let's let's forget this thunder this thunder disaster, this poo poo platter. Let's talk about other basketball games but you know, again, you just look at the numbers, and I hate just looking at numbers when I watch a basketball game, but rarely does just look, simply looking at numbers really tell you all you really need to know. And no matter what you look at, like on the box score, advanced stat sheet, everything just points to Memphis. And to me, that just tells me one team was a little bit more energetic and another team was just a, maybe a little bit more of a Christmas hangover. Too yeah. much eggnog.
2: Yeah, I Like you said, all over the place, Memphis just kind of outplayed them. The starters outplayed, the OKC starters. The Memphis bench tonight was pretty damn good. I mean, you look at the uh, the plus-minus, which, you know, like we say, single-game box score plus-minus is taken with a grain of salt, but they had two guys on their bench that were plus 20 and over. Yeah. Uh, Melton plus 25 and Kyle Anderson plus 21. And Kyle Landers only played twelve minutes, okay. So again.
1: I believe the Memphis bench outscored Oklahoma City's forty-six to twenty-eight, and that's going to happen when Dennis Schroeder doesn't score a lot. Now he finished with twenty points, yeah. but it took him a long time to get there, and he was rather inefficient. So Dennis Schroeder's not doing anything. The Thunder bench is going to be hard-pressed, especially when Darius Baisley, You know, he you don't really know him for his scoring, but if he's off, if he's not on the bench, it just hurts the, the reserves that much more.
2: Yeah, the size of uh, the Memphis front court kind of took New Orleans a while out of the game tonight uh abdel nader i mean he had that buzzer beater uh, That was cool. the shot clock down that was fun yeah he'll clip that on a youtube video one day and put some uh put some little flip on it or something and it's gonna be a cool video it's gonna get a couple of thousand views <laughs> shout out cairo yeah but i mean i i think this is just a situation tonight where it really just shows you how much gallinari is vital to this team being successful in winning games i know he, the last two games he missed, they ended up actually winning. And
1: one of them was against the Clippers, surprisingly. Right. And I, the other
2: one was against the Jazz. So they have been a couple of decent Western Conference teams without Gallinari. But when you don't have that that four-spacing big, or it, they really just don't have a four-spacer yeah. on this roster, they can hit threes consistently. I mean, Paul might get hot for a game. Shea might get hot for a minute. Schroeder, same thing. But they just don't have that guy that when they're in a funk and they haven't had a a, a basket and a couple of possessions, that they can go to and just find him open at the top of the key, and he can hit a three and just change the momentum. They just didn't have that tonight. There was nothing that no guy or at any point in this game that could that was really able to flip that momentum.
1: Yeah, and like on an individual standpoint, because we're going to be you know covering this team under the the under 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 the understanding that doesn't make any sense. That Danilo Gallinari isn't going to be playing the next two games, so you're going to be seeing a lot of Darius Baisley with the starters. Now, the problem is we're around the 30-35 game mark right now. This is when teams start getting better scouting reports on each other. This is when like, exciting rookies early on start hitting their rookie wall because teams now know how to defend you. They're no longer surprised by you. We saw this last year with Hamadou Diallo. Now, he did kind of have a little bit of a scary, potentially scary uh, leg injury that ended up just being like a game or an injury that he missed a game or two but um, as soon as teams figured out okay keep him off the offensive glass and he's really scary in the open floor other than that force him into the corner force him into like to put his the ball on the floor and then you can stop him you're going to see a lot of that with Darius Baisley now teams now know basically what he's all about and you see it just kind of in little individual spots He'd always be about the pump fake and then dribble hard to the left. Now he's pump faking, faking to the left, and then going to the right, and he you can tell he's not comfortable. He did it tonight, and he damn near tripped over himself. So you're going to see Darius Baisley potentially hit a rookie wall, and if he has to start a significant amount of games that's going to hurt this team. And then you're going to have to lean on Dennis Schroeder to score 20, 25 points efficiently. You're going to have to lean on SGA to be more efficient than he was. 8 of 19 for the floor, 21 points. You're going to have to lean on Chris Paul to probably be a
2: little bit more assertive offensively. Which is fine for Thunder fans and Chris Paul and Billy Donovan. They can rely on Chris Paul to be more assertive. I mean, tonight he was he was good tonight. You know, 23 points, a 9-15 shooting, uh, dished out 11 assists. But like you said, Gallinari being out, I mean, it forces. I mean, when Terrence Ferguson isn't is no longer the worst offensive starter in your starting five, Yikes. he's going to take more shots. He had six three point attempts tonight. I mean, that's fine. He's thirty three percent from three. I, I I don't know that <laughs> there's a lot more than you can expect from Terrence Ferguson offensively. But I mean, you just I I think six is probably a little bit more than Thunder fans are comfortable with him taking in a game. It just yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. It just forces everybody to become more valuable to the offensive game plan, yeah. and they're just guys that you can't rely on game to game. Yeah, and, and, and I know
1: fans are ex- excited about the prospect of, like, hey, I kind of want to see this team through. Like, I was all about team tank and getting a high lottery pick, but I've fallen in love with the squad. They try hard. They hustle. They don't give up. Chris Paul has kind of rewoven himself into the lore of Oklahoma City basketball. Everybody's excited about SGA. People are really getting on with Dennis Schroeder. I want to see this team through. But if this team remains intact, relatively speaking, their biggest problem is just going to be depth. They just don't have the depth outside of Dennis Schroeder on a reliable, consistent basis. So that's just something, and even now in the short term with no Danilo Gallinari, it's going to hurt them that much worse.
2: I think getting Hamadou Diallo will help, help a little bit. They do miss Hamadou Diallo a lot. And it gets yeah. forgotten. That's he, a good point. He's not necessarily, you know, we, we've watched him play. He's not a great floor spacer by any means. He's not going to shoot the three consistently, but he's, he's, he's the guy they need on the bench because he's active. He's active. He's, he's aggressive. Is, he's made great strides defensively, and
1: he allows Billy Donovan to put out some funky lineups out there and at least have the, I guess, the comfort that, from an athletic standpoint, we won't get run out the gym. Right. The Probably my most... Excite, exciting lineup for this team is when you got the three point guards, you got Hamidou Diallo at the four, and Danilo Gallinari at the five. They've they, only played like maybe six minutes, but it's a, it was the most exciting six minutes I've had this season. Yeah, they
2: oh, what game was it? It was the Pelicans. Yeah, like they in closed October. With, yeah, they closed with that lineup in the first half, I think. And it was I I looked at the the stats a few weeks ago. They're like a plus. Some they're like, like something 18 stupid. Or something, yeah, no, something 18, stupid. twenty and like six yeah. That was my I agree, that was my favorite lineup. That was uh that was the anti Oklahoma City lineup <laughs> and it was awesome. It's like, oh man, this is 2019-2020 NBA. They couldn't defend anybody. They the, the Pelicans scored every time, but the Thunder did too. It was a lot they were a try hard
1: squad. Yeah, they were a try hard squad. Now franchise listeners, we will give you a palate cleanser, uh, but really quick before we get around the association and check out some other scores, I do want to remind everybody. You know, the Grizzlies scored 110 points. They held the Thunder to 97 tonight in the Thunder loss. The last time the the Grizzlies played a basketball game, they played the Spurs, a team not really known for their high scoring or their three-point shooting. How many points did the Spurs score? 145 in a Spurs victory in regulation. Billy donovan has got, he's going to have a lot of fun in film. Not that they're going to watch any because they do play tomorrow night, but Sorry, Thunder fans. Every once in a while you throw out a stinker, but Mr. Burton, why don't you take us around the
0: association? Let's go around the association for an NBA scoreboard update. Brought to you by Oklahoma Operation Lifesaver. All right, we are going to start off with the Detroit Pistons getting a home win against the Washington Wizards, 132 to 102. And guys, I, myself, like you guys, are we're huge fans of the NBA, right? I guess that's, oh, yes. fair, to say, that's fair to say, right? You know, we, we do pre- and post-game shows. I'd hope so. We're all getting, paid to, cover yes, we're right getting paid to cover it We're getting paid to cover it. I have absolutely no idea who this guy is that led the Wizards in scoring tonight. I was <laughs> going to no, ask you to say his name. And no idea how to pronounce his name. So I'm not even going to try. Um, if you're curious enough about this Wizards-Piston matchup, oh um, my you can go oh, you can oh, go there. try to pronounce that uh on, i will not that,
1: that looks like the safe word on euro trip right it on, does. On, on <laughs> zesh,
2: zesh look at aaron on, davis on, on over here pashikniks. good good That's probably, good I'd on you aaron. probably good on you um I thought you guy's name say i was
0: can was pronounce is christian wood led the pistons in scoring for 20 with 22 points yeah
2: piston star power forward we all know him oh yeah we all guy. know him
0: G works.
1: The Wizards
2: Um, are just a whole bunch of who he
1: played for outside of Bradley Beal and Rui Hachimura. Hachimura.
2: Well, and the guy that Isaiah Thomas went into the stands to almost fight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the Brooklyn Nets get beat at home 94-82. to I saw this stat earlier. The Knicks held the Nets to uh, 26.2% shooting tonight, uh, the lowest mark uh, since 2012. Lowest field goal percentage by any team since 2012. The Knicks or the Nets? The Nets. The Nets shot 26.9. Uh, 26. Sorry. Yeah, this looks like a 2006 score. Yeah, that's awful. That's awful. Well, 94 your Eastern, co- your Eastern to Conference 82. semifinals,
1: 94-82. Let's all forget that era of
0: the <laughs> NBA, please. 94-82. The Dallas Mavericks get a victory at home over the San Antonio Spurs, 102-98. to But the Mavericks really lost because they wore those god-awful jerseys.
2: They did get Luka back, though, and he was, uh, as usual, fantastic tonight.
0: Yeah, 24, <laughs> 24 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists for Luka. The good thing um, for
2: Dallas is they don't have the New York Knicks
1: on their schedule anymore moving forward.
2: They do have the Thunder coming up, though.
1: Oh, no. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Thunder fans, remember Luka Doncic. He remembers us. And Then a couple games in progress here. Um, Kings are at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That game's got six minutes left in the second quarter. The Timberwolves are up 36-35, to and a game still in the first quarter, five minutes left. Uh, the Jazz are at home against the Trailblazers, and the Jazz are currently leading 22-13.
1: Now the Thunder are still 7th seed, 15-15 and 15 after the loss tonight. Portland, if, I mean, Thunder fans, if you're in the boat of we want to go to the playoffs, then obviously you want to see a Portland loss to the Utah Jazz tonight. And as of right now, it's going all according to plan. Aaron, are you team playoffs? or are you team tank? What are you on? I
2: am team tank because I think that it's like I love watching this team, especially last week when they had all those great comebacks. They beat the Clippers Sunday night. It's a lot of fun to watch this team, especially after you know what we watched the last couple of years, where it was just unbelievably frustrating. Yeah, uh, on most nights to watch them compete. But I'm firmly in the boat that you do not want to
1: jeopardize your future. Jeopardize your
2: future. You don't want to delay the future because it's going to get bad. I mean, it's going to get real bad for a couple of seasons when they fully invest in this tank. unless Presty Presti works his magic, of course, which, you know, I wouldn't put it past him, but more than likely, if if they're going to go the route of all the other NBA rebuilds, it's going to get bad for a couple of years. In my eyes, these guys, especially like Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder, their values are... Their stocks are sky high right now. Yeah, especially Dennis Schroeder. I I think you just you got to move on them as much as it would be as much, as much fun as it would be to make the playoffs, and you know go in as the seven or the eight seed and play the Clippers or the Lakers. It, to me, it's just not worth jeopardizing the future.
1: Yeah, if Pressy could see the future, if he knew, if he could tell, okay, we're we gonna make the playoffs. Yes. Who are we going to play? Denver. Never mind. Just tank. I don't care. Unless it's the Lakers or the Clippers. Let's just tank. Right. <laughs> Screw this. 107.7 the franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. You are listening to the Thunder first take post game show in which the Thunder dropped this game 110 to 97 to the Memphis Grizzlies and were just thoroughly outplayed in about every single facet of the game of basketball. The Thunder are now 15 and 15. On the year, still planted at the 7th seed, depending on what happens with Portland and Utah tonight. Portland loses. Thunder will so be the 7th seed when they take on the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night on the road for their first of a two-game road stand. When we get back, some more Thunder numbers, some more Thunder stuff. I'm sure Burton will talk some more because I like hearing his voice. And then, of course, Aaron Davis with his wonderful pipes. Brady Trantham, Aaron Davis, Matt burton we've got you covered for the next 30 minutes or so. You're listening to 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. Well, the Thunder, the Thunder took a ride on the wild side tonight. They decided, you know what, let's not get out in transition. Let's not defend. Let's not rebound. And, and help. let's not even defend the paint. Well, you don't want to waste all your energy. you got a big game
2: coming up tomorrow. Yep, the Charlotte Horn- I mean, it's Michael Jordan. It's Mike. It's the Michael Jordan. You're auditioning in front of the Michael Jordan at the Spectrum Center or wherever the hell the Hornets play now. I, w- I wouldn't be one to complain about being paid a lot of money to play uh, professional
1: basketball if I was given the God-given ability to do so. But if I was, I'd be like, you know, because you watch like shows like Twilight Zone or whatever, and somebody gets, you know, they-, they get to have a wish, and they wish for something, and there's always a catch. I risk to be a professional basketball player. Okay, cool.
2: Oh, I play in Charlotte. There's a deep level of irony <laughs> for a 20 year old kid to play for Michael Jordan and it'd be the worst situation, one of the worst situations in the NBA.
1: Yeah, because not only do you play for a terrible franchise and you t- play on a team that sucks, you probably have to go one on one with Michael Jordan and lose to a 50 year old man. Probably. Oh, and it, well, that's the that shame. Would, that would it, explain why. you need to go
2: hard on him? I mean, he's 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 an old man. I mean, kind of. That's the thing. He's like
1: he's Mike. Yeah. Do you go hard on this guy.
2: I mean, maybe that's why the Hornets can never, like, get it together is because he just beats them one-on-one in practice all the time and just demoralizes the entire team. <laughs> this entire time. Come on, Michael. Come on.
1: 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. This is the Thunder First Take Post Game Show. You just heard Aaron Davis, Matt Burton back in studio. I am Brady Trantham. Follow us all on Twitter, Matt underscore Burton 22. Aaron, what's your, is yours still – Mr. Davis, is it just at Mr. Davis? At at Mr. Davis, 1077. At at Mr. Davis, 1077. Follow me for whatever reason on Twitter, at Sports. We're all fun. We all talk back. We all clap back sometimes when we're in a bad mood. Just like Thunder fans are right now, probably, maybe not. This is a win-win situation season for Thunder fans because I think people started falling in love with this team over the last month, and the wins started becoming exciting. And then when they lose... You initially get mad as a fan because you're like, I don't want to see my team lose. But then you remember like your point that you were making in the previous segment, Mr. Davis. You know what? Losing is probably better for the long run anyway. So then you just go right back to being excited. Yeah.
2: I mean, look, the worst thing in the NBA is like that that NBA mediocrity level. That purgatory in the NBA. The Detroit Pistons. Yeah, you don't want to be the Detroit Pistons. You don't want to be the Charlotte Hornets. You don't want to be the team that either doesn't make the playoffs or struggles to make the playoffs every year and end up with the ninth pick in the draft every year and get Malik Monk.
1: Or shout-out Chisholm Holland, who's sick, by the way. Filling in for him tonight, bless his heart. Prayers to Mr. Chisholm Holland. Um, He is a Chicago Bulls fan, you know, speaking of Michael Jordan. But since Michael Jordan, they've done little to nothing, uh, except for the Derrick Rose MVP. And that one year, Ben Gordon and Lou Aldane got huge contracts because they beat the crap out of Dwayne Wade and Shaq. Yikes. Um... Chisholm is of the opinion that the Chicago Bulls just perpetually will get the 7th seventh, seventh pick every single draft, which is not a very good pick unless the draft is incredibly deep. Which, which it, it hasn't been. Which it really hasn't been yeah. over the last few seasons, so you don't want to be that. That's where the Thunder are kind of anywhere from the 6th to the 13 14th spot the way the season is going, and that's they do have a lot of options. They've got draft assets, they've got trade assets, so a lot can happen between now and then, but... It's not a really comfortable place to be shooting towards. Yeah,
2: and look, I, I guess worst case scenario, Presti doesn't. He, look, he's going to shop these guys. He's going to shop everybody on this team except for probably Shea and uh, Darius Basley. I mean, hell, even Darius Basley might be. You know, and if you I don't know if calls, anybody would be interested in Darius Basley, <laughs> right? Right. He's, he's a good secret to have. Yes. Uh, he. Presti is going to take those calls, but if he doesn't get an offer that he doesn't like, or if he doesn't get an offer he likes, he's not going to pull the trigger. He's not going to pull the trigger just for the sake of pulling the trigger. So if it happens that you know everybody lowballs him for the entire season and you make the playoffs, then, then so be it. I, I don't think that's the best scenario, yep. in my opinion, but it's not the worst-case scenario either. Worst-case scenario is probably that these guys get hurt and they have no value Outside of that, like you said, it's a, it's a win-win. Either it's a fun season or it builds towards the future.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the scenarios that we talked about going into the season, you know, a lot of it's centered around Chris Paul, and the destination was always the Miami Heat. Um, Danilo Gallinari, and it still continues to be, going back from the offseason into now, the destination connected with Danilo Gallinari is Portland. Now, Miami has become one of the better teams in the league. I believe they're the second or the third seed in the Eastern Conference, and they've done it with a lot of young talented players and a lot of cheap contracts so the likelihood that they would decide you know what let's let's potentially blow this up a little bit and go after chris paul's gigantic contract and his age and his injury risk that's kind of gone out the window at least recently uh with what portland's gone through kind of coming out slow out of the gate hitting the emergency carmelo anthony button to start the year off unless they just go on a 10 game winning streak all of a sudden and then get right back into the middle of the pack in the Western Conference and then decide if we just get Danilo Gallinari, that puts us back into the upper echelon of the Western Conference, which I I would agree with. Right. I don't know if they're going to get there because they started off so slow. So in my opinion, I don't know why they would go after a rental in Danilo Gallinari if they're going to be the 8th, the 7th seed or potentially miss the playoffs. So to me, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so your Danilo Gallinari options kind of get limited in that respect, but you know there's still so much time. There's still so much basketball. It's a little silly to talk about. It's a little, it's a little silly to uh, kind of prognosticate different factors because so many things can happen. And I don't know about you, Aaron, but covering the Thunder over the last three or four years, one person that's almost impossible to predict is Sam Presti. Anytime he's backed into a corner, you can't trade this contract. Victor Lodipo's contract is untradeable. Something happens, yeah. and something good happens.
2: Yeah, and look, and it, they're in such a bizarre situation because they've got so many assets, future assets. Hell, this whole process could be sped up because you have those draft picks. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Thunder hit on a young guy. You know, maybe, whether it's uh, it turns out to be Shea being a superstar, being an all-star, all NBA level player in a couple of years, or they draft somebody in the next couple of years. You can speed everything up by turning those draft picks into a top level player and bring it back together and become a top elite level team or you can ride it out in the long term. There's just so many ways that this could play out, but the process has to get started for it to play out. If you just kind of, you know, twiddle your toes and, and you know and pussyfoot around, then it's not it's it's never gonna get to the situation where you have an opportunity to get back to where you were five years ago as an organization.
1: Yeah, and I would say for those fans that are kind of a little bit on the fence of like, well, either way, I'm excited. Like, if they blow it up, cool, then the future is accelerated. If they stick with this squad for at least this season, I'll be excited to see this team play out because they're an exciting squad to to, uh, watch. If you're on that side of the fence, that's fine, and there's a part of me that kind of agrees with you, and I will say probably the best case scenario for that is at least with your young assets, your young core that's supposed to be a part of the future rebuild. Shea Alexander, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, maybe Terrence Ferguson if you want to throw him in there too. You want to put those guys in situations in a best-case scenario where they are learning how to win games and winning their fair amount of games because you don't want them to be like Phoenix. You don't want them to be like Devin Booker oh. where all they know is losing and just chucking up
2: shots. I am interested, though, do you think that the way the Paul George situation played out would will change the way that Presti evaluates making trades for superstar players? Or do you think that he? Or do you view that kind of just as like a one-off thing where I, I it just didn't work out? That was
1: such a one, I think it's such a one-off thing. I think you're onto a good point. I think it was just such a one-off situation because the Thunder are still in the post Kevin Durant era. Like all this stuff yeah. they're doing is in the wake of Kevin Durant walking away for nothing. Sam Presti going after Paul George was a reaction to that. This is the NBA in 2017-18, 2018-19. You've got to have superstars in order to keep your superstar home and then compete for championships. So he had to do that. I don't think that Presti would do that otherwise in a perfect situation. Now, if there's a deal out there to be made, then sure. I think Presti ideally would like to do this just like he did the first time and have a lot of homegrown talent, develop that talent, cultivate that talent, turn it into something that you could potentially – if you do all the right things this time, hold on to them, well past the rookie deal, maybe in, into their extension deals.
2: Yeah, I I don't know how I look at it because it's better to it's better to you know have that superstar on your team for a year and then him leave than to never have them at all. Because if you never have them, then there's no way that, there's probably no way they're going to sign here in Oklahoma City unless they play here. Much like Paul George did, it didn't work out long term. He Didn't finish the contract, obviously, but yeah, you know maybe if it's a, a homegrown thing like it was with Harden. Westbrook and Jor and Duran, excuse me. Uh you know maybe it's better just to have kids that don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just lock them up, make sure they don't know where they are. Nah, right. Nah, nah. Oklahoma City's great. I
2: mean I mean all the players love playing here from uh, except for probably Kevin who didn't Know, who knows? He probably liked playing here for a while. Oh,
1: Kevin enjoyed it. He just changes his mind. He, he changes his He's mind. He's a fickle like, man. Like the Oklahoma weather. It's just one thing one day, and then 70 degrees seventy degrees on Christmas, and then it's going to be
2: cold and frigid the next day. He's a fickle man, but uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Hell, I mean, we're assuming Presley's here long term, too. Well, I mean, I did I
1: did straight up ask him at his uh, preseason availability after he wrote that uh, really long op-ed in the Oklahoman. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him, like, is this an endorsement for you to be a part of this, you know, phase two, this rebuilding process? And, you know, he gave me the cookie cutter cliche answer, but he was like, but no, I'm excited about doing this and I love Oklahoma City. So um, Sam Presti, he either told me the truth or he set everything in motion for everybody to call him a snake because he wants
2: to go to New York. Well, now. welcome to the welcome to covering the thunder. <laughs> It, everything's either tell
1: me the truth. Either,
2: either everything's the truth or it's not the truth, or it's it's never clear which it is. I'm
1: so gullible. Just tell me the truth. Oh, the Thunder, though, in the short term, stinker of a game one ten to ninety seven, losing to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Thunder are now fifteen and fifteen on the year. Really quick, if you're just now joining us, we've only got a few more minutes left. We're going to do the stat cat segment in just a few minutes, but before we get there, if you just tuned in and you're like, hey, I like Aaron Davis, hey, I like Matt Burden, and, and that Brady Trantham guy, he's all right, too, I guess. Kind of annoying, but oh well. Um, don't worry. Do not fret. You can also listen to this particular show on the OKC82 podcast feed, which is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just type in okc 82 Uh, Madison Morris and me do it after every single Thunder game. We throw in some random other shows in the feed. So we're never short on content. Also prayers to Madison Morris as she deals with her own sickness. I believe she has the flu. Bless her heart. She couldn't be in the arena tonight, but she watched from afar. Everybody loves Madison. But like I said, if you want to listen to this entire reaction show, please type in OKC82 wherever you listen to podcasts, download it, subscribe, and we will appreciate it. Aaron Davis will appreciate it. Matt will... Burton will appreciate it, and I will uh, come to your house and give you a Coca-Cola. But, Mr. Davis, before we get out of here, let's go through the Stat Cat. And, Burton, please give us the 3-2-1 warning.
0: Yes, you already know what time it is. 3-2-1. Watch new Pussycat. Watch new Pussycat.
1: It's really a who's who of numbers that you want to choose because really any number will stick out to you and tell you why the Thunder lost. Fast break points, points in the paint, bench points, three-point shooting for the Thunder. It really doesn't matter. It's hard. It's very hard. I'm going to go with, because I've, I've talked about fast break points all night. I want to talk about something else. I'm gonna do points in the paint. 66 to 44. The the Grizzlies were just simply the more physical team, and it showed throughout. Because whenever the Grizzlies needed a bucket, they could get it easily. Whenever the Thunder needed a bucket, they couldn't get it easily, and they had to resort to shooting uh, from the outside.
2: And they finished 10 of 35 from the three-point line. That's not gonna get it done. I got one for you. 13 free throw attempts tonight for the Thunder. Their lowest since November 14th, 2018, Ooh. where they shot 12 free throw attempts against the Knicks which they won uh, 128-103. But, yeah, not uh, not doing a great job of getting to the line tonight. a good stat pool. It's
1: a great stat pool. No, like this team, Shea Gillis-Alexander can get to the line in bunches. Outside of that, you're not going to see maybe like a Stephen Adams because he's getting hacked, but he's not really been getting hacked the last few weeks because he's actually been a 68
2: 70% free throw shooter, so not hackable in that respect. He's making them. A, after he after he makes them, there's probably about 68 to 70% of the backboard left. There you go. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Teams don't care.
1: Yeah, but, like, so, basically, this team doesn't have a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook that just gets the line 20 times a game, and then you look at their team free throw percentage, and they have 30, and 90% of it goes to one player. This team is a team basketball team. <laughs> and that is the silliest thing that I've said tonight in a and a mountain of silly things. But it truly, I mean, I mean, it truly... Not one person's going to gobble up a lot of assists. Not one person's going to gobble up a lot of free throws. It's a college basketball-style team. That's, I mean, it's a good point, and I know Oklahoma City gets lumped in with, like, it's a college atmosphere because the fans are loud throughout the entire game, but this team really reminds me of a college basketball team because they make subtle improvements quickly throughout a year. Now, most NBA teams if they're good, maybe one player makes an individual improvement, maybe a lineup starts to work after sucking in the beginning part of the year. But this team has made noticeable and subtle improvements throughout their first 30 games of the year and that makes that kind of adds to the enjoyment of watching and covering them.
2: Yeah. Like you said, I mean there's not one guy on the team that gets to the free throw line consistently like a, a Russell Westbrook or James Harden, but they're still seventh in the NBA in free throw attempts per game. So it's, it's it's any given night. Maybe it's each guy has three free throw attempts a game. It evens out, but only 13 tonight as a team.
1: I mean, what, what are we going to see tomorrow? Are we going to see a hard course correction in terms of getting to the foul line and protecting the paint, or are we going to see the Thunder doubling down and just we're going to shoot better from the outside this time? We're not going to shoot 28% on 35 attempts, but we're
2: going to still take 30 attempts. I I don't I think the three-point thing for sure we can count on because I think Billy's doing a good enough job this year. He's actually doing a really good job this year as the head oh, yeah. coach. And Chris Paul as the floor general, I don't think they're going to let him shoot. Those two guys are not going to let him go, what, 10 to 35 is I think what they were tonight. They're, it, they're not going to allow them to do that again. And I don't think that they're going to need to get in a situation like that with the Charlotte Hornets. And with no Danilo Gallinari, I think this team should shoot 18 to 23s a game.
1: Yeah, and if, uh, I mean, Terrence Ferguson, six attempts, Darius Baisley, four attempts, and the two of them combined to shoot three of ten. Like, calm down.
2: Yeah. I like the aggression, but calm down sometimes. Uh, there, there's no reason that this Thunder team shouldn't be able to beat. Now, second night of back-to-back and home and, uh, home and away, back-to-back on top of that, there's no reason they should be, shouldn't should beat the Hornets, though. I mean, this the Hornets team. They're led by Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. Those are two guys that Chris Paul – and Jay Gilges, Alexander, and Stephen Adams and Dennis Schroeder—they should be able to outperform the Hornets tomorrow.
1: So, yeah, second night of the back to, of a back-to-back, so it's going to be challenging no matter what the opponent is. But I mean, you're exactly right. Just, the, I mean, the Thunder aren't as—they're—they're they're not more talented than a lot of teams, but the Charlotte Hornets are definitely one of those teams that I would say yeah. that yeah, they are more talented. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting, I guess, moving forward without Daniel Gallinari for the foreseeable future. Is this just one stinker? for Dennis Schroeder, or is this going to be the start of what he's always been his entire career where he'd have 10 to 15 games of greatness and then 10 to 15 games of just average inefficiency? He's a streaky player. He has not been streaky this season. He's been in the running for six Man of the year the way he's been playing. Um, But if he comes out there tomorrow and has a similar game, the Thunder are going to be hard-pressed to beat anybody.
2: Offensively, I I think that he's going to regress back to the mean, just the way he plays. And his size, it's just kind of hard to not be streaky when you're when you play the way that Dennis Schroeder does, and you're not a lockdown three point shooter. Um, but he he has improved so much defensively this year, or maybe I'm just noticing him defensively this year a little bit more. I don't think he's going to regress to being the player that he was. I think he's going to consistently have the same impact game to game. If his offense isn't there, I think his defense picks it up, or vice versa, or he plays well on both sides. I think Dennis Schroeder right now is probably my favorite for sixth man of the year. And if he continues to play this way, I think he wins it, whether it's on the Thunder or another team, I don't know. But I I think this is probably more of an outlier overall. But I think the offensive will—it's going to regress back to being a little bit more inconsistent. If that makes sense,
1: you'd hope so if you're a Thunder fan, uh, Mr. Burton. Any final thoughts tonight from the Thunder's abysmal loss to a uh, less than average team in the Memphis Grizzlies?
0: Um, I kind of have—I kind of have like an apology, I guess. I—I I, I did not, <laughs> not like Chris Paul when he was a member of the Rockets. Um, I just thought shame he, on you. I know, right? I just—I <laughs> <laughs> just—he just he he got Jerry Jackson.
1: He got Jaron Jackson with that rip move in the fourth quarter, and Jaron Jackson knew it as soon as, like, he even extended his arms. He already snapped his head back when when he did, and the entire arena just screamed and cheered. It's like, man, a year ago, you would have just said, he's
0: a flopper! Oh, yeah, exactly. The flopping, the constantly complaining officials at every chance he could get, Um, he's been on his best behavior, and he's... Actually playing well, and he's just game managing the hell out of this Thunder game, out of this uh, Thunder team. I mean, look at his, some of his stat lines tonight: 23 points, 11 assists, six rebounds. But there are games when Thunder went when the Thunder win, and he has eight points, nine points. But he'll have 12 assists. He just kind of does everything, and he just manages the game. He has his, he has such a great feel uh, for the game, which is why I mean, he's however many time All Star and. He's still playing and still getting paid $40 million to play. I mean, uh, so I apologize to Chris Paul for for not liking him at the the Rockets. And he has totally redeemed himself in my eyes, which I know doesn't mean anything.
1: As Billy Donovan would say, he's got great feet. Aaron Davis, any final thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah, one thing on the Chris Paul uh,
2: season, or Chris Paul as a player, uh, if I had any advice to some kids that are listening tonight for some reason to this postgame show – uh, study the way that Chris Paul gets defenders on his hip, because oh, yeah. he's I he's a, he's a wizard. NBA. And, he is a wizard in the half court. Yeah, study everything that he does. But uh, one of my favorite things is the, his ability to get defenders on his hip and just get positioning in the half court and in the paint. But uh, as far as tonight goes, uh, the game was boring. It wasn't fun. The <laughs> Thunder really gave me no spark of excitement or interest tonight. Uh, and maybe I was just spoiled by last week. Maybe they were just so fun to watch last week that uh, it tainted my view on how fun this team can be. But it, it's it's one game. The Grizzlies are, you know, they're one of those teams where they play tough, they play physical. It's like that grit and grind style, which they are kind of getting away from, but uh, you still see aspects of it. John Moran's a good player. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a good player. Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's been really good this year. This isn't a bad loss. You see this Grizzlies roster, and you see their record and stuff. It's it's not a bad loss. They might give up 145 points to the Spurs one night, but they but, can still play good basketball. I mean, but, don't forget, they were up 24 against the Thunder last week. Yeah, they've won six of their last eight.
1: They're really starting to come along with their young talent. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, 82 games, you're going to throw out a stinker or two, and Western Conference team, these things were, yeah. are going the to The Thunder
2: happen. had won four in a row before this, right? Yeah.
1: So. And half of those games, they were down double digits. So, yeah. you know. You win some, you lose some. Everybody, thank you so, so much for listening to the Thunder First Take show on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. Shout-out to Flint Restaurant, downtown Oklahoma City, beneath the Cold Court Hotel. They always take great care of us during Thunder home games. Thank you all so much. And uh, it's starting to fill up now, so if you're looking for somewhere to eat, come here quick before all the tables are taken and the bar is full. The drinks are good and the food is great. Mr. Davis, thank you so much. Mr. Burton, thank you so much. Always 100% what you do. We really appreciate it. But you have been listening to the Thunder First Take postgame show on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. The Thunder fall to the Memphis Grizzlies, 110-97. to 97.